Morning Liberty. Well, hello there. My name is Nate, and this is Good Morning Liberty. Charlie, are you feeling okay today? No, you passed on your death to me. Dang it. Dang it. I got you sick. I think you can hear that in my nose, kind of. A little I'm bit, talking through my nose. A little bit nasally. But I you know what? Say. That doesn't matter, because there's still a subscribe button that you could hit right now. <laughs> you just hit it. I love how excited you get about stuff. Just that, oh, You should see button. Charlie, he's just waving his arms back and forth, just jumping at the microphone when he's saying that. Yep. So good, so subscribe, good. Subscribe, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, guys. It is not that hard to do. You just hit that and you're going to get our podcast sent directly to your phone every single day. We surely do appreciate that subscription and a rating and review. If you think it's five stars, if you don't, then do not leave us a rating or review. Just move along. Yep. Move along <laughs> calmly and quietly. That's, that's, that's the word. So I love, I love this thing that we're going to talk about, which is... Which is Walmart opening their first ever health center in Georgia. A Walmart health. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Like, you know how you have like home goods and then you have like your, I don't know, produce and grocery. And then over here you got like your tire center and then you got your Walmart health yeah. right there next to it. So they have... They have started this thing in a place called Dallas, Georgia, and basically what they're doing is well, they've... you got to mention what else we're talking about on the show before we just dive right in. Dang it. Um, so this... Tell the people what we're going to talk thing, about. Did it happen in Illinois? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Real close to home. Okay. Real close to home for us. This is what happened. We have a case of trespassing where the trespasser was shot on site uh, as advertised by a booby trap that was placed. A, yes, a booby trap uh, shotgun. Yeah, booby trap shotgun. And the owner of the property, the property owner, has got first-degree murder. He's been convicted of first-degree murder and aggravated assault. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and how uh, maybe some of this could be misconstrued with what we normally feel about trespassing laws. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But first... The health care. Health care. So this is something that's pretty cool because for a long time, we've been talking about how there could be a free market solution to our healthcare problems that we have. And none other than Walmart stepping up to potentially fix some of the problems. Now, obviously this does not fix all of the healthcare problems. You know, they're not going to be offering cancer treatment at Walmart or anything like that. So you're not, they're not le opening up a level one trauma center at your neighborhood Walmart. So that's not what we're saying it's going to fix. But what they are doing is they're opening what's basically a primary care facility, basically a walk-in clinic and primary care facility in the Walmart. And this is, this is pretty cool to me because they're going to be doing cash pricing. It's all very low prices. As we've said before, if you're doing cash pricing and a lot of this stuff, you can you can get things for a lot cheaper than what than what you think you can. So, I mean, some of these prices, what they're going to be offering your primary care, your annual checkups, they'll be offering some wound care. It said they do stitches, um, they do uh, X-rays, X-rays, EKGs, dental care. They do dental there. You can get fillings and crowns. So they'll have a dentist office in there. There's hearing and vision there. So Charlie, if you need to go there for any more of your hearing problems yeah. that you're having, or or me, maybe for my vision problems, you can go 
go and do that there. They also have counseling services. If you need to talk to a counselor for 45 minutes, it's $45 to go talk to a counselor. Way cheaper than normal. Yeah, a a lot cheaper than most counselors that you're going to find. So they offer that. Their fillings at the dentist office was $75 to $150 per Mm -hmm. filling, I believe, which is lower than what my copayment normally is with insurance. So, usually on things like that, you have to pay, even if you have good dental insurance, it's usually half half and half. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I have really good dental insurance, and I'm still paying like 150 to 250 per filling. Yeah. So it's, the, by saying really good, what I mean is I'm insured through HCA, which is the, the biggest hospital corporation in the world, uh, luckily, because my wife went out and got a real job and, and works there. So <laughs> so I have really good insurance. We don't do because, real work. Because she works in a hospital, so uh, you get pretty good insurance. But um, anyway, yeah, they're, so they're going to be offering primary care. Your initial visit's going to be $40 cash, and then your annual checkups are going to be 30 bucks. You can go there and get your immunizations, um, all, all kinds of things. They'll even give you stitches if you need stitches for $115. This is literally like, and these are like the same prices that you would pay with a copay. Yeah. Or cheaper sometimes. Or cheaper sometimes. Yeah. And so like a lot of times if you, whatever your doctor's visit, um, you know, you have insurance, but you go see your doctor and your office visits 40 bucks anyway, that's your copay. Yeah. So this is one of the things that we've been talking about. And I hope everyone looks at the great potential behind this and and it's not just shrouded in negativity about walmart and how they're just trying to make a buck but if you look at the positive side of this you know we've been saying for a while that if you introduce a lot of cash pricing for a lot of these things you know you shouldn't be using insurance for your annual doctor's appointments you know things that you know you're going to have if you need to go into a walk-in clinic if you need to just go get an antibiotic prescription something like that you don't need to be using insurance for that. These are things that we know are going to happen. These are things, even especially an annual checkup, that's literally you know what's going to happen once a year. Uh, so insurance covering something that you literally know for a fact is going to happen is just by definition not insurance. But anyway... Well, we not, not only that, I, I want people to think about what this does to the healthcare market, right? This introduces more competition. Yeah. Now, somebody made a comment because Nate, you wrote a lovely article about this. Somebody already made a, a comment about, like, oh, you get what you pay for. That may be somewhat true, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, things at Walmart may not be the best quality always, although they're very high quality for the cheapest prices you can find. And so uh, you're not going to get your uh, one in 100,000 rare disease diagnosed yeah. at this Walmart clinic. They're probably. not opening the Mayo Clinic inside of Walmart or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. It's not what they're doing. But what this does is it literally takes uh, people who shouldn't be going to, um, let's say, more advanced physicians, if you will, um, and going to a clinic where they can get serviced at a relatively cheap cost um, and get still get good quality health care. Uh, for that cheaper cost. And what that does is it also introduces competition to everyone else around saying, hey, why would I go, you know, spend 50 bucks copay at my doctor plus insurance and when instead I can get a primary care visit and a checkup at Walmart for 40? Well, I know around here, going to an urgent care clinic, it's like $175. Just, I mean, cash payment. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I went to the Vanderbilt clinic at Walgreens and it cost me 135 yeah. just for the visit. So, introducing this cash pricing model is something that we've been talking about for a while because insurance 
it's grown to the point that it covers things that it doesn't need to cover. One of the things that I think we could we could get away with not covering with insurance, although they can offer a plan to cover it if they want to. Um, one of the things I think we can get away with not covering are these annual doctor's visits, these things that you know for sure you're going to be doing. There's no reason that you should have to have insurance for that when what, what we're being shown right here is that Walmart's going to be able to do it for 40 bucks for the initial visit and $30, $30 for the continued annual visits. So they're, they're literally taking this free market concept, these free market ideas that we've had about ways that we can make healthcare more affordable for a lot of people, and they're going to be implementing this. Now, they, they've only opened it in one store so far in, in Dallas, Georgia, but this was a remodel onto a store that already existed, meaning that they can go through. If this model proves and it goes well, and they stay busy and they make money off of it, um, then they've got thousands and thousands of other stores around the nation that they can open these clinics in. If you're not by a Walmart, you're probably 30 minutes from one. Yeah, every, pretty much everyone, unless pretty you're much. out in Wyoming somewhere. You're, or you're, Montana's. Yeah, you're, unless you're out there, you're like 30 minutes from a Walmart right now. Uh -huh. So this is a a pretty big deal. One other thing that this can really help is, you know, our, our ERs are overcrowded these days and they're overcrowded. I'm not saying all the time I've gone to an ER and there's only one other person there. So it's not like all ERs are always overcrowded, but there are a lot of people that go to ERs just when they're sick, you know, because they've got a cough like Charlie does. And he could go to an ER here later today if he wants to. If he doesn't want to go to an urgent care and pay $135 up front, then he could go to an ER and they would be forced to see him and be seen by a doctor and he can get an antibiotic prescription or whatever it is that he's needing. And then he can just leave and he doesn't ever have to pay them anything. And the problem is we have a lot of people who you know, maybe they can't afford the $135 or $175 to go to an urgent care clinic. So they're going to an ER because they know they can go there. They know they can get seen. And they're just going there for the common cold, the, f the flu, things that they really shouldn't be going to an ER for. So what this can do when you offer a cash pricing model where it's only 40 bucks for your initial visit or 30 if you're an existing patient, um, when they're offering something like this, you're offering a really cheap alternative to potentially, you could weigh those options. You can go to the ER and yeah, you can go to the ER and, and never pay them any money. And you can do that, but you're going to be hounded by collections for the remainder of your life if you go do that. Or you can fo fork over 30 or 40 bucks and go to the Walmart health clinic. Uh -huh. So this is a pretty big deal. And if that happens where they can take some of the overcrowding out of the, the ER and leave the ER for only people who are in true emergencies and actually have to be going through there, then the ER can get cheaper at that point in time. Because right now we have this pricing model. It's a, I call it the vicious, it's a, it's a vicious cycle pricing model that's happening right now because so many people go through the hospitals and don't pay that eventually they have to start charging so much that when they do get someone who's going to pay, it'll cover all the people who didn't pay. That's the problem. It's like if you're standing in line at a place where you're going to buy, buy a cheeseburger and the nine people in front of you, they just got a cheeseburger and left. They just got a cheeseburger and left. And then when you get up there, the person's like, all right, well, that'll be a hundred bucks. And you're like, holy crap, that's an expensive cheeseburger. 
Well, you're not just paying for your cheeseburger. You're paying for those nine people before you that also didn't pay for it. Right. So you start this. But then the problem with that is you start a vicious cycle because the more expensive that price becomes that you're trying to recoup the money from, then the less likely people are to pay the bill when they go through. And it keeps getting more expensive, less and less likely for people to pay the bill, meaning they have to keep trying to recoup more and more money. And eventually you end up having the Tylenol that costs a hundred bucks. So this is how this pricing just keeps going up and up. And this is something that could actually introduce a way for that price to go down. Because if you could take away some of the people from the ER who were just going there, never intending to pay for it, they're going there because it's a free clinic then you could have a higher ratio of people paying their ER bills, meaning that they can lower the amount of, that they're trying to get from each person because they're not trying to get one person to pay for 10 people all the time. And this so, happened that, you know, people getting going to the ER for free happens a lot, Yeah, you know? Um, and I know this because of obviously working the financial side of healthcare. Uh, I've seen it in my, in the, the consulting practice that I do. And, a lot of hospitals have a lot of bad debt and that bad debt stems from people. Guess what? Not paying their bills. Yeah. Happens all the time. People come in and here's the thing is, um, and, and there's a lot of charity hospitals as well too. But what happens is, is people will come in and it's actually against the law to ask them how they're going to pay for their services until they're seen by a provider. So before you can ever ask about insurance or ask about anything like that, you have, they have to be seen by a provider um, in the emergency care setting. Uh, and that's because obviously you don't want to let a payment get in the way of saving somebody's life. I get the reason for the law. But a lot of times because of this, hospitals do get shafted yeah. on people who aren't in a true emergency, but they're allowed to come in and uh, don't end up paying for their bill. Um, and so that money has to be recouped somewhere because there's still a doctor and a nurse and the building and people staffed to see you and provide care for you. And all of that costs money. All of it does. Yeah. The other issue is with the ERs and same thing. Like we know from working in the healthcare industry and also, I think I say this one every three episodes now, but um, my wife is a financial analyst for HCA and a lot of people go through the ER. I'm I I don't know the numbers. Trust me, she has never told me any of the numbers. But what I can tell you is that there are a lot of people who go through the ER and don't pay for it. Um, the problem with that is that there's some legal. Uh, I guess you could just call it medical uh, tort. Is that what it's called? Uh, when you you basically have these grounds for suit now. This is this is inside of built into the laws with ERs where. The reason they have to see you, you know, you get this thing where you go in there and the ER has to see you, even though it's obviously not an emergency at the time. They have to still care for you because if you go in there with a cough and it ends up a year later, you find out that you have lung cancer, then you can go back and you can sue the ER and end up owning the building. If you go in there and your stomach hurts and maybe you just really need to take some Beano or something like that. But if you go in there and, and maybe a year later you find, or not, it wouldn't even be a year, but maybe a little bit later you find your appendix burst, something like that. And you get an infection and you go in the hospital. Well, you can end up suing the hospital and, and owning the, the, uh, the building. So they've opened this all up to where you have to cover anyone who comes in because 
if in fact someone comes in and it's even a minor cold and that's obvious, if they perhaps were exhibiting symptoms of something that was a major illness at that point in time that could be a symptom of a major illness, then they have a legal redress against you later in time for for not seeing you. So this has made it to where an ER has to see everyone. And this is the ER. There's a great book called The Primal Prescription. Prescription is what what that is. Uh That's the word. Primal prescription. Um, I don't know why I can't say that. I think it's the coffee in my mouth. Prescription. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's this uh, it's the filter in front of my mouth right here. I, that's what it is. It's not me. It's definitely not me. Really great book. I think it's by Bob Murphy and us. Uh, it was two two authors on the book. But anyway, they talk about what these laws have done to the ERs and the fact that let's say that you're a specialist doctor. You're working in a hospital. It has an ER. Well, if you're up in your office, you're you're on duty, you're a employee of the hospital, anything like that, not even an employee of the hospital, if you're contracted through that hospital and you're in a building, well, if someone comes into the ER and they have some kind of emergency that maybe you could help out with, well, you have to go down there and help that person. And the problem is you're contracted separately from the hospital. You bill outside of the hospital, so you don't get paid by the hospital for doing that. You have to bill the patient afterwards. And since so many people go to ERs and not pay, this has led to doctors having to serve people in ERs and literally not get paid for it. So this is why you see so many different specialist buildings opening up, where you have a heart specialist building or a lung specialist building where these doctors are, and the entire point of those buildings is that they are, they are medical buildings that do not have ERs attached to them. That is the entire point of those buildings. The imaging centers, all of those places where doctors are working and seeing patients, those exist because they don't have ERs attached to them because of those laws. So that adds millions and billions of dollars into healthcare expenses right there. It also depends on uh, your trauma certification that you can get for your hospital. Yeah. So like if you're a level one facility, which uh, I think... I think the only level one that we have in Nashville is Vanderbilt because level one, you have to uh, take care of burn victims. Uh, that's the, the level one trauma center, which I think Vanderbilt's the only one who really does not saying that other hospitals don't care for burn victims, but the, what happens is, is you actually have to have uh, physicians in the building that specialize in those things yeah. to be a level one, uh, level two, you have to have, you have to cover all areas uh, of trauma, uh, but they can be on call. Yeah. They don't have to be physically in the building, whereas Vanderbilt does. Now, Vanderbilt, I'm sure they're all on staff there. You know, I don't I think they yeah. have a, I think there's some probably separate physicians groups, but I'm know, sure I mean paid from Vanderbilt as well. A lot of the, the doctors I've seen just at Centennial, not not too far from there. I mean, they I was I've been billed separately every time for, oh, for yeah. those people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the doctors who work in the hospitals that you go to, they're not employees of the hospital. They're usually part of physician groups. Yeah. So they're they're contracting separately from the hospital. They're working out of the hospital. And what happens is when you see them, they don't get paid by the hospital for seeing you. They have to bill you and get paid for their time. Mm-hmm. So the, this is... The, the whole ER thing has caused a lot of problems. So that's why I think this could be a really cool thing because it could stop the overcrowding in the ERs, which could actually lead to lower prices in the ERs because a higher percentage of the patients 
would be going there for things that their insurance would be paying for. You wouldn't specifically be drawing people who didn't have insurance that were trying to go there and get free free service. So anyway, I mean, this is really cool. I, I hope that I hope that people look at it as a good thing. I know that Walmart's not always just like the best and most amazing at doing everything. Um, but rest assured, they will be pulling from a different labor pool than where they get their cashiers from and their and their stock boys. So it's not exactly like the doctor that they're going to have on staff used to stock, but he got moved up to doctor finally, you know, like that. It's going to (laughs) be, it's going to be very separate from the store. The person who makes sure that they order milk is not going to also be making sure that they order syringes or anything like that. Like this is all, it's going to be separate, very separate. So, you know, it's not like you don't go from stock boy to manager to doctor. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the case. Now, if that were the case, they could really attract a lot of people to start working there. Right. You know, I got promoted to doctor today. Celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously. So what Walmart's doing, they're addressing a problem. Here's a problem. Healthcare is too expensive. Um, A solution from the socialist is to give government the the private market of healthcare and let them control everything, which we've discussed many times on this show. Go back and listen to all the episodes so you know what we're talking about when it comes to healthcare. that we don't have a free market in healthcare to begin with. And what this has done has caused healthcare to be way too expensive. And it's a big problem for a lot of people, including me, I, you know, including most Americans. Healthcare is one of the few industries that keeps getting more expensive, not cheaper. Everything else in the market's getting cheaper. Healthcare, college tuition, everything the government's involved in, by the way, just go look at the charts, gets more expensive. So Walmart is taking a free market approach to trying to help actually solve the problem. And you know what's actually more beautiful about this, and I think, I guess some people would think this is a negative thing, but the most beautiful part about that to me is that Walmart didn't have a meeting and say, let's try to solve the healthcare crisis. That's not what they're doing at all. They see a very wide open market for them to jump into and make some money. That, that's, that's what they see. They say, we've already got 5,000 buildings put around the country. Um, we think that we can offer these services at cash pricing and still turn a profit. That's, that's actually the motive behind it. Not to just discount what you were just saying. That's, that's not what I mean to do, but I'm discounting what you were just saying. So, uh, <laughs> Well, but, but at the same time, that motive, though, it only survives if it provides value. Well, and so what I'm saying is that's the beautiful part of capitalism, is that the motive for Walmart needs to be that they want to make money. They'll only make money if they're going to provide a service that people want and and enjoy and continue paying for. And that's the only way that they'll make money. Because you're not forced to go to the Walmart. You're not forced to go to the Walmart Health for anything at, at all. So if you go there, it's because you're freely deciding that this is your best option. And thank you to them for offering that. But the beauty of capitalism is that, you know, the morality behind it, that stuff, the the ethics behind it, that part doesn't matter. What matters, like we always say, are the results. And the result in this situation is that Walmart wants to make some money. So to make some money, they're going to offer you a better service than you're getting anywhere else at a cheaper price. And this 
could potentially be the beginning of free market solving the healthcare crisis. And the cool part about that is that it didn't have to be because they wanted to do good or because they wanted to help people or because they saw that there was a crisis and they thought that it was their job to solve it. It doesn't have to be that whatsoever. In capitalism, the motive to make profit entices people, incentivizes people to do things that other people deem valuable. That's it. That's it. The motive for profit makes you do things that other people find value in. And that's the whole thing. That's what's better in capitalism than socialism, because they're going to have to do a good job at this if they want to make money at it. And if they do a bad job, they're going to go out of business because you're not forced to go there. Their, their health thing isn't going to work whatsoever. They will lose money on it and they won't expand it. Whereas if it were the government doing this, or if it were just government-provided health care, they could do a bad job, and they would still be there, and it would still be your only option. You know, that's the difference. I, will, I do want to clarify that a little bit, at least from my point of view, because, I, I, I mean, underlying motive, yes, profit, and I, I would say there's definitely truth in that. But I also do want to say there are people, I mean, doctors make a lot of money, Right. And there's a lot of people that go to school to be a doctor to make a lot of money. Yes, that's part of the truth. But also, I think there are people that genuinely want to help people. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of it as well. It's, well, it, it, you can have both. Well, so right? on the personal level, I'm not saying that like the doctors want Walmart to do this because they're just. But evil they also want to make. They yeah, also I mean, want to make six. They want to make money. No one's going to work in that hospital for free every single day. You know that. Right. That's not what's. Well, some people might be, but. That, yeah, they have volunteers. So what I'm talking about is on a business model level from Walmart, they didn't have to be wanting to do this to help people. They wanted to make money. On the personal level, yeah, people who go to become a doctor and they spend 10 years, if you're going to be a nurse, which I think, well, I mean, I know in Illinois, I think they made it four years, but I don't know how long you have to go. Some other states, yeah. yeah. I think there still are two-year programs, but they're phasing those out. So, I mean, yeah, if you're going to go to school and become someone that... Um, a medical professional and deal with the crap that you have to deal with literally sometimes, um, then yeah, you have to have a part inside of you that's wanting to help people. I don't think I, I don't, that's not what I was trying to come across. Well, saying. That, but I also want to say too, though, the best way to make a profit in the free market is to solve a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you see that with everything. Like, look at the squatty potty. Well, the, the only people, the only way to, you know? yeah. Right. The only way to make money in the free market is to help people. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It or doesn't matter what your motive is. If you weren't helping someone with something, a problem that they had, whether it's, hey, I didn't grow enough food for me to eat today. There's a problem. I need help. Okay. Uh-huh. So I go to someone who has food. So in the free market... The only way that you ever make money is by helping people. That's that's just the beautiful part about Man, it. Man, and food is so cheap. It is. Way. Yeah. What you know? That's everyone needs food. Every yeah. single person. Probably more than healthcare. Yeah. We don't even have to say <laughs> adults only. Every single human being on the entire planet needs food. They cannot go more than what did that guy just do? He Thirty tried days. To, he tried to fast for forty days, like uh, Jesus did in the desert. I guess. Yeah. And yeah, 30 days without eating, and uh, he died, yeah. by the way. So, death. There's some, uh, there's some evidence right there just to support my notion that human beings require food. They, they absolutely, every single one of them on the entire planet requires food, yet we allow the free market to provide us food in the United States. And it's cheap as hell. And it's super cheap. It's really complicated to make, by the way. I don't know if you've ever tried to grow something and not kill it. 
but a lot of people can't do it, you know, but everyone needs food. So it's something that's really complicated. And our free market has done that at such an efficient level that obesity that is fat. a problem. Yeah. In other countries... <laughs> all you people out there, you're all fat. In other countries where the government has taken over the food production, people starve to death. People only starve to death in the United States because they have like eating disorders and things where they, they literally can't eat. Well, there's some, I'm sure there's a few people. I have been trying to stuff. find numbers on this, by the way. I didn't, I did not get an official count, but I could not get a number of people starving to death in the United States outside of people who had some kind of disorder relating to food. Well, look, I'm, look, I'm just going to tell you, Nate, I went to the bathroom Monday night at the Preds game. Yeah. And you know those advertisements that they put above the urinals? Yeah. Ladies, I don't know if you guys see this. They and put the them on the stall, like on the door in the stall. On the door in the stall. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, they have these little poster ads. And there was one that broke my heart a little bit. It said, one in six kids in Nashville don't get enough to eat. That's what the poster said. That's a completely bogus statistic, by the way. Well, why don't you just tear it apart? <laughs> I was not prepared to talk about the statistic. But what I can tell you is... Um, even in that book, Primal Prescription, they talk about it. And some the Basic Economics book that I talk about all the time, entitled Basic Economics, by a great economist named Thomas Sowell. Those studies that talk about children going to bed hungry or children not having enough food, those are questionnaires that they let kids fill out and answer in class okay. in school. And they asked on there, have you ever gone to bed hungry? And if the kid answered yes, then you are now in a statistic of kids that go to bed hungry. That is what they use. But I'm sure it is true in some cases. Oh, yeah, of course. People like some kids all like the meal they get is literally at school. I'm just saying I know they send sometimes they send food home. Absolutely. This happens for sure. People the kids actually do go to bed hungry and not get enough to eat. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but it is not as much as what the statistic says. Right. It's much, much lower. Right. But, and also the contrast that, like, you know, Atkins is, he's not selling his diet in Africa. No. Plus, he's dead. <laughs> well, yeah, he died. So yeah. the people who took over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his stuff, he's not selling it in Africa or no. India. No. You know, the Atkins diet that's largely in America and Western cultures where yeah. people are fat. I've been to and Africa. Gym memberships are on the rise. <laughs> and they have to be. I, they are. I doubt there's many anytime fitness gyms in Africa. I tell my know? girlfriend all the time, like, look. I, the reason I work out, I don't like working out. I only do it because I love to eat. Yeah. I eat everything. I like Cheetos and cheeseburgers and Coca-Cola. Yep. All the delicious things. The amount that you work out always needs to be a little bit more than you like to eat. Yeah. That's, that's the answer. When I get sick, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? I, I agree. I have not worked out in the last couple of years. Yeah. So. Been... I even started building a home office gym. Yeah. So, I think something died out there. Something by did. The way. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> something died in my garage, and I can't find it. Oh, Maybe it's in that couch that's been sitting in the garage for a while. vermin moved in because they thought no one ever like, went oh, out look there. Look at this comfy couch. No one's ever in this garage. I'll stay here. Ooh, I'm dead. You have a comfy couch in your home gym? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you uh, sit here and eat a bag of potato chips before you get on the rower? You have to make a decision. <laughs> right anyway, now. speaking of death, someone died close to our hometown. Yeah, was this we in grew up. was this in Anna or somewhere around there? Uh, well, the guy is, I believe, from uh, Chester. Uh, the the uh, the perpetrator, if you will, I guess the the, the defendant. He is from uh, Chester, 
and the victim was from Murfreesboro, uh, Illinois. And so those aren't too far from where we grew up. And I believe that this took place, though, in Jonesboro. So that's in okay. Union County. Yep, yep. Um, Been there, been there. We our high school is about 15 minutes from Union County. And yeah. About, what would you say, 30 minutes from Jonesboro? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, not too far how, away. Depending on how fast you drive. When we were 16, we probably made it there in 17 minutes. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, especially when Nate had his spoiler on his Mustang. Well, because I could drive faster, safer. Right, yeah. For sure. The back held end. held your yeah. car to the ground. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no way it was ever going to slip. It was absolutely necessary. It's not because Fast and the Furious came out when I was in high school and I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Not because Nothing of that. Nothing to do with that. Nothing it's to do with practical. that. Yeah. It's, I literally needed that big racing spoiler on the back of my car. We used to be able to make your wheels squeak going into third gear, I believe, right? Yeah. That thing's pretty quick. Yeah. It was a pretty quick car. You had a manual? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. I read it all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, the, man, tra- the transmission, yeah. Yeah, the transmission was manual, was manual as yes. well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you also read the safety so, proceedings in the manual. So trespassing. Have you ever seen one of those signs that says, trespassers will be shot on sight? Yeah. You ever I seen one of those? I just saw that in Colorado, yeah, by I've, the way. I've seen a lot of those signs. So we were in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and there's people that have private property there. And we were doing this ATV trail ride. Well... Part of this ATV trail ride, it's like part park service, and then also you go through some people's private property. This is the way the trail goes. And when you get to private property, they warn you, and they say, hey, people out there, whatever. But there are signs that say no trespassing will be shot on site, or they also have signs that says uh, uh, private property, hunters on property, not liable for accidental shootings, like signs like that that were yeah. on this trail. Yeah. So we just sped through those really quickly. So, <laughs> so this guy, um, I know you've got the story from the, is it from the Southern Illinois? Yeah. So yeah, there's a few, I think even Fox News picked this thing up. Uh, so it's, it's made it around quite a bit, but we'll read a little bit from here. It says, uh, William Wesmond of Chester was convicted of both first degree murder and aggravated battery for the 2018 death of Jeff Spicer of Murfreesboro, Illinois. So Wesman was charged earlier this year. Testimony during the trial this week revealed that Spicer was found dead on Wesman's property in early morning hours of September 16th, 2018. He was lying dead next to a truck and found by a man who lived nearby. The state, the prosecution, contended that Wesman, the defendant, rigged a shotgun to a rope connected to a door of a shed on his property that when opened would fire the gun at the person trying to enter the shed. He called it a spring gun. Now I'm not saying I don't, I don't know for a fact, but they're saying in this article that Wesman called that contraption, a spring gun. The defense for Wesman contended that he did not set the gun, but had complained often of theft on his property and pointed to evidence to suggest Spicer was there to steal. So according to some things that I've read, Apparently there were tools and other things where Spicer, the, the victim of this, um, of this death, the, the guy who died, uh, there were tools there. There were, uh, the, the lock to the shed was cut and all of that. So it appears that that Spicer or whoever, someone was trying to break into the shed. Um, and so what they're saying, what the prosecution basically says, it did not matter so much why Wesman set up the gun to fire, but that he did so and it killed someone. 
the spring gun was the cause of death, unquote, the prosecution said. So the defense argued that Spicer's actions are what caused his own death, ignoring the no trespassing sign, the nailed shut shed door, and the caution do not enter sign on the shed, then breaking the lock on the shed door. Those are the actual acts that caused his death. So the defense argued that, well, if he never tried to break into the shed to begin with, um, which is a felony, by the way, it's a felony Mm -hmm. to burglarize somebody. If he never would have done any of that, then he would have never been hit by the spring gun. It doesn't matter who set the spring gun. Um, And so they go on to say here, was it reasonable? The jury was questioning uh, those kind of things. The state argued that it was Wesman's fault and the defense argued that it wasn't basically and they convicted him so this brings up a really interesting debate i think of are booby traps allowed to be set up on your property so if they are and something happens are you responsible for that so just to clarify a guy was breaking into a shed some kind of outdoor storage allegedly allegedly was breaking into a shed um the owner of that shed had booby trapped the door in the way that a gun would fire at whoever was opening the door basically so what happened was this guy allegedly went in opened the door to to break and enter and was shot by this guy's shotgun that he had set up so i think the the problem here is that i thought that trespassers could be shot on sight there there's this there's this conception that I think a lot of people have that you can protect your life and your property. Yeah, that if someone means necessary. if someone comes onto your property from the time that they are on your property, you can shoot them. I think that that's a pretty common idea that people have. That that's a I think a lot of people feel that way. I've always thought that that was the case because that's what I've always heard all the time. So the issue here is. I did a lot of digging earlier through a lot of laws, especially Illinois' law, but then I looked through a lot of other states. It is not legal, not legal, for you to shoot a trespasser on site. And I cannot find any states where it is legal, yes, including Texas. It is not legal to shoot a trespasser on site. Unless you fear for your life. Unless you are in danger, unless you are fearing for your life. And the problem is... The owner, the property owner, was not inside the building. His life was not in danger. He actually wasn't even on his property. Wasn't on the property. And the person was shot and killed on the property and was not putting anyone's life in danger. So one reason I wanted to talk about this today was to get the word out to people because I think this is some misinformation that has been spread. You can look it up some if you want to. But I, as far as I can find, it is literally... Not legal for you to shoot someone that's trespassing. You have to be in danger at that time. So if they were coming into your house, then you can shoot them when they're coming into your house. If you're on your property and maybe you're outside and someone comes on your property and you feel threatened, you can shoot them then. If the guy would have been inside of the storage shed when the guy was breaking the door open and and coming in there, then he could have shot him then. So the the entire premise to shooting a trespasser on your property has to be that you have to be in danger at that point in time and you have to be defending yourself. And I would say some of that makes sense. You know, there's not, 
we don't live in a black and white world, right? And that's why even in jury uh, jury tri- trials, there's the reasonable doubt standard. Yeah. Right? What is reasonable? And is it reasonable to booby trap your shed? And even if somebody's breaking an internet, you're not on property that you could you could le- uh, lethally murder that person. Can you, well, let's say not even murder. Can you kill that person? Now, I disagree heavily with the charge. I don't think it's first-degree murder. It wasn't premeditated. He wasn't even on the site. I mean, yeah, but is it not premeditated that he rigged a shotgun to kill the person that came in? To kill that person specifically? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, is it it pre... It would have killed a raccoon. That if you get in. So does it have to be specific to the person? Is it first degree murder if you fire a gun into a crowd and someone dies? Did it have to be the specific person that you were trying to kill? You know, I don't know. I I, I feel like the first the premeditation is on the crime of murdering someone, not specifically that person. I feel like I, I don't know. I'm not saying I agree with the first degree part of it. Um I think where this gets really hairy is We've also heard this before. If, let's say the guy would have broken into the shed and slipped and fallen and broken his leg while he was in there. There's actually legal precedent for him to sue the property owner for damages to himself while he was in there trying to burglarize the property. And that's ridiculous. That's no, completely you just ridiculous. Saw that on liar, liar. That's all. Yeah. So I did look this up too, uh, not just on liar, liar. And in <laughs> I, mean, mo- I mean, you're right, but it is yeah. on liar, liar. It's funny. <laughs> I'd have got him ten. <laughs> um, in most states, you do have legal, uh, you do have legal precedent to sue the property owner if you are injured in the act of trying to steal from the property owner, which is insane, completely yep. insane. So, to me. That's where I draw the line, but the issue is, uh, you know, this guy was breaking in to the shed, and if he wouldn't have done that, then this wouldn't have happened. So I see where there's just a bit of a conundrum here. It's crazy. This This is is an issue. It's a crazy debate, and like, I, I just don't know if this guy should go to prison for the rest of his life. But I also don't think you should set booby traps up. So I, I don't know. This is a tough one, man. If I was on this jury. I don't know what I would do. I think it'd be a hung jury because I don't think I could decide anything. Yeah. So to me, you'd have to set. And again, we don't know all the evidence. This is just a story. This is a report. We don't, we weren't in the courtroom, so we don't know everything that was presented. However, this scenario, if you just hypothetically play it out anywhere, I mean, I just don't, I'm having a hard time trying to decide what the actual moral thing to do would be well so to me i would i would address that in in this question what do you think the criminal punishment should be for breaking and entering what do you think the government's punishment if you were arrested for breaking and entering should be well if you if you stole property you should have to pay restitution okay i would say um any jail then, time, anything like that? Well, I mean, there has to be some sort of of restitution, right? Some sort of uh, penalty. Yeah. So you did not immediately say the death penalty right there. No. So that, to me, answers the question of whether or not it is moral to kill someone because they're on your property. So to me, that 
that answers that question is if someone is arrested for breaking and entering or for trespassing on your property, do you recommend that the death penalty be pursued at that point in time? No. So if death is not the appropriate punishment for trespassing on someone's property, then it's not okay to kill someone because they're on your property. Only if you're acting in self-defense. Yes, only in self-defense. It's still a sticky situation because what about the fact that I, I bet you 99% of the people that listen to this episode thought beforehand, and that maybe they'll go look it up for themselves, 99% of the people who listen to this episode thought beforehand that you could shoot someone who was coming onto your property. And so what is it? Does that extend to this guy in the fact that it is a common misconception that you are legally allowed to shoot someone for trespassing? That's possible. And if you've seen signs your entire life that say trespassers will be shot on sight, trespassers will be shot on sight, all kinds of stuff like that. So if you've seen that your entire life and you grew up your entire life thinking that you could legally shoot someone for trespassing, and then so you rig something up that shoots someone while they're trespassing, and then you end up going, you end up getting first degree murder for it. Is there any leniency in the world for the guy that did that because it's such a common misconception that you're legally allowed to do that, you know? That's that's a good question. You know, what's a reasonable standard on uh, speeding through a town and the entire, if you're on a highway and everyone on the highway assumes that the speed limit is 55 and you end up getting pulled over and you end up getting your license taken away because it was 25 and there's just a normal highway just out there in the middle of nowhere. And it wasn't posted. Nothing like that. It wasn't posted before you got on it. Nothing like that. This guy didn't have to pass a law class before getting his own property or anything like that. So if you end up getting pulled over and your license taken away because you were going 25 in the 55, is there any kind of reasonable standard there where you're like, hey, I mean, this is a highway. Like every highway in the entire country is 55. Everyone who drives on this highway assumes that the speed limit is 55. And I just got my license taken away from me because I was going 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. You know, that's ridiculous that you guys should have let me know that this was against the law. Well, I think that you're required to know the law. Yeah. So self-responsibility on the part you of the business owner, a, or yeah. the property owner. You don't get away with being ignorant Yeah, in that case. What if alongside that road, all of the people who lived on the road have posted signs saying that the speed limit was 55? And every time, every time that you drove along that road, there were signs all over the road saying speed limit on this road is 55 all over the place. And then you're going 55 and you get your license taken away and they say, well, it's actually 25. And you're like, wait, I've been told every day of my life when I drove through here that the speed limit was 55. Look, it's posted all over the place that the speed limit's 55. And they're like, well, that's not the actual law. The actual law is that it's 25 through here. I, you know? I, I think I get where you're coming from, but I think there's still, there's a precedent that you're responsible to know. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying. I, just, I, I mean, and I, I get where you're coming from. I just... I, uh, you know, when it comes to this specific case, there's just so much gray area. Yeah. Like, even if he didn't know that you couldn't booby trap your own shed, you know, maybe it was his she shed. And maybe if you didn't know that you could do that, you know, this begs the question of like, 
well, you're on your private property and uh, you decide that you don't want your shed anymore. And so you set it on fire. Well, what if somebody's inside? You didn't know anybody was inside. But yeah. you just were going to burn your shed down because you don't want it anymore. And what, like what, what happens then? What about this? The guy, the guy got first degree murder, but he didn't kill anyone. <laughs> you know, the, no. the gun went off and this is actually the first, this is actually the first case of a, of a gun murdering someone. This is the first case right here. The gun acted on its own. Yeah. Of the gun of the gun itself, not the gun owner, the gun itself killing someone. Yeah. This has to be one of the first cases of that happening. So like it's the Although weird the, the gun owner did uh he did rig it yeah. for that to happen. I know. I'm just trying to be a contrarian right now, but it's just a weird thing because you get the first degree murder yet you didn't even pull the trigger that killed the person. It's 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 uh it's it's really weird. It's this is a very very different circum that and that's why this has been picked up by Fox News and and a bunch of other news outlets when these kind of cases happen and it's things like this where you you've just ne- never heard of this happening or it, uh, completely against what everyone's conception of the law is. I mean, it gets some media play. The defense argued that based on the tools found at the scene and the very act that the gun was triggered when the door of, to the shed was open, that Spicer was on the property that night to commit burglary, which is a felony. This, he said, justified the use of force under Illinois law. Quote, there is no doubt that the law gives William Wesmond, the defendant in this case, the right to use deadly force, the attorney said during closing arguments. Yeah. And then the prosecution argued that because Wesmond was not on the property during the incident, the question of his decision to use deadly force was moot. He said someone had to be there to make that decision. The gun doesn't act reasonably gotten, the prosecutor said. The gun just acts. Yeah. So because he wasn't there to actually make the decision that when someone's committing a felony on your property that you have the right to use deadly force, according to Illinois law, um, he wasn't there to make that decision. So it, it's it's a moot point. Well, so they're just arguing against um, they're just arguing against automation at that point. In time. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't like I don't like automation. They That's didn't like all the this al- is the algorithm that. That's all together. He had just set up an automated process that would make the decision making process more efficient for him. So, could you stop coughing? I was a sneeze. Okay. Look, my nose is running and I can't chase it down. <laughs> Good. <laughs> How long have you been a dad? Uh, almost three years now. Almost three years in uh, November. Coming, coming right up. On this podcast, I'm getting worse. You're kidding. Yeah. You know why? It's because you haven't had your AC running as much up here and you've got a lot more humid air and also it hasn't been filtered and conditioned like the air downstairs. So well, look, I don't even need just, to go the, I don't even need to go to the doctor. Yeah. I got You just go to Walmart. I got Nate right yeah. here to give there. me all the conditions. <laughs> you know, I just took medicine not that long ago either and it's just What what is this about? I know we're we're I, this is going off topic a little bit, but what is it about dudes that just can't handle sickness? It's a real thing. It is so real. When a guy gets sick, it it is the end of the world. And I, look, I'm just saying this as a guy. It's and true. I feel like I can put up with a lot. I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I just hate feeling miserable. Yeah. I earlier you can't concentrate. You feel like your eyes are popping out of your head. You can't breathe. I think we're wired to take it more 
ser- <coughs> I think we're wired to take it more seriously when it happens. I, I would boil it all the way down if you wanted to call it an evolutionary thing. I think that our brains are wired to take it more seriously. To just whine about it? Well, because in a if you just boiled it all the way down to caveman days, like if the woman gets sick, that's bad. That's really bad. It's bad for the upbringing of children. It's bad if you're trying to have a baby. That's all bad. We're talking caveman days right now. If the man gets sick and can't operate, then everyone dies. Because you can't fight off a bear. You know, you can't kill food. Can't do all that stuff. I'm not saying women can't do that stuff. I'm talking... You're saying women can't hunt. I'm not saying women can't hunt. I'm saying in the caveman days, the the women chose not to hunt. Misogynist. Freely. And so I'm just saying... All, if you boil it down to a potentially, if you wanted to call it evolutionary standpoint, maybe men's brains are wired to take this, to be more adverse to illness and to take this more seriously. So you'll be more adverse to illness when the, the potential for it comes along that way for the betterment of the continuation of the family. I'm just going to let you... You're going to let me have that have one. this opinion. Okay. All right. All I'm right. Gonna, That's I'm fine. Gonna, I'm going to let Nate at goodmorningliberty.us send him an email. I'm going to let him <laughs> have this opinion, and I have not done enough research to comment on that. That is the <laughs> that is the most pure form of caveman explaining I've ever done before. <laughs> caveman explaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mansplained the heck out of that. Really, you did. Really, you did. we're just little babies. Whenever we get sick, that's, that's what happens. The whole idea, about, or the whole discussion behind this, is that men, the, all those memes you see and going around Facebook, they're actually true. And don't you men out there be like, "Oh, I don't want when I'm sick. You're just a big baby." Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. I've seen it. I have the empirical evidence. Every Dude that I know of in my life, that doesn't matter how tough they are, when they get sick, they're all just a bunch of babies. Mm-hmm. So as and I they was, all want their mommy. As I was coughing stuff up during that, I realized, you know, that when my wife gets sick, I mean, she just she'll still go to work. She powers through it. You know, she puts up with all kinds of I'm stuff. Say men didn't go to work. I, but, I still did work today. So what you're saying is, we could say something negative about something that men are statistically more likely to do, which is turn into a giant baby when they get sick. We can say, hey, men turn the tenant turn ten what? They tend they to tend turn. to turn. Is tend even a real word though? Yeah. I guess it is. It's a word. They they seem to turn into a big baby when they get sick. And we can say that. And there's not some kind of big uproar of men saying, this is BS no way, that's not what happens, you're sexist, you know, that's not what happens. Because we know it's true. Because we know it's true, and we're willing to admit that, and uh-huh. that's all I'm saying, and that's all you were saying, and I'm sorry, Lacey, if I offended you. I'm very sorry. Do you want to apologize, too? I don't have anything to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was your idea. You gave it Look, to me before the podcast started. We're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> We're best friends, and I'm just going to let you crawl into that hole on, All right. your, own, on your own. I'm going to leave you in the trenches <laughs> taking grenades. Exactly. Just, okay. I'm not going to step on your head while you're drowning. So, but 
for the men that are still listening, if you want to follow us <laughs> on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty, on Twitter at Good AM Liberty, on Facebook, find us. It's Good Morning Liberty. Go to GoodMorningLiberty.us and read some great articles written by Charlie and myself about politics and I've economics. Got one on there. He's got one. That's why you're included. Yeah. You've got one article on That's there. All that matters. <laughs> um, if you guys want to read up on some of those articles, go to the website. If you want to get a shirt that says taxation is theft, or one that says shall not be infringed, or one that says capitalism is greater than socialism, or a great sticker, a mug, any kind of st- uh, hot or cold tumbler, the very greatest in beverage vessels, you can go get one of those things. Use the promo code that is only for you guys right here, podcast. That's P-O-D. C-A-S-T, podcast. Podcast. So type that in when you go to the goodmorningliberty.us slash shop merch store and grab yourself a nice piece of Liberty merch right there. You know, despite my devastated state that I'm in, uh, I still came to do this show for all of you guys. So what you can do for me because of that is share this show with a few friends of yours let them know that you love life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And Good Morning Liberty is the place for all of that. Like Nate said, go get you a t-shirt to support the cause. And uh, if you guys do all that, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see you. Actually, I wanted to mention the couple events before we sign off here. We're going to uh, Young Americans for Liberty Conference, which is called YaleCon in Detroit. We'll be speaking at that event uh, we'll also have a booth set up there. You come by and see us there. And if you're going to be in Nashville at the end of October, we will be at Politicon. It's going to be a uh, huge event with uh, politicians, well, people from both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And so uh, stop by our booth there as well. Um, we may even be doing a live podcast from Politicon. We oh, don't yeah. know yet. Oh, yeah. It's a possibility. Uh, we know people like, I believe... Uh, I know Jordan Peterson is going to be there. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Is Nick Freitas at that one? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Ann, Ann, Ann Coulter? Coulter. Okay. Uh, even Diane Feinstein's going to be there. That's too bad. Yeah. So uh, it's possible we could have a cool interview yeah, uh, from somebody there. And so if you guys are in Nashville or Detroit or you want to make the trip, uh, hit us up. Uh, Nate or Charlie at goodmorningliberty.us send us an email we'll get you guys connected to come to that so you guys do all of that we'll be back again tomorrow to give you some more liberty and great discussion on whether or not you can set up booby traps in your own home (laughs) so tell us what you guys think on Facebook and hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty